2: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. And last night, the Lakers got absolutely dog-walked in Philly, ending in some Ominous quotes from LeBron James about how what the Lakers need to change a lot. And so today we're going to not only talk about last night's game as we normally do, but I'd like to take kind of a big picture uh, zoom out, D, about those things. I think we're deep enough into the season and we've seen enough things like repeating that to me, seeing LeBron like that in the post game was. Like, okay, it's it's time to talk about, um, about some of those things. So before we get to that, though, give me your thoughts on the game last night in Philly. What's your recap of kind of how it transpired? Well, I think the final score
1: reflects two things. A, like Philly controlled the game, but the score losing by 44, whatever, like that's reflective of that final group, like, the subs and like the young like, like, guys
2: five and 44 yes right? like yeah
1: yes and so like pers- just off the top i was pretty disappointed with like that group's general effort level and i was pretty disappointed with them just sort of not mustering enough you can't go out there and treat it like cardio mm-hmm. and darvin sort of alluded to this post like like post game that if you don't get any minutes in the league like this is your you chance don't, to show people that you belong. yeah like but there is the no headline, garbage though. time for of you of course they're not the headline, they, they are yeah. not i just wanted for to sure. make a quick sure. point that like there's losing by 20 something which the lakers were going to lose by 20 something and then there's getting blasted by 44 for points sure. and it's like JHS, for example, he had a, like he got a shift early in the game. I think Darwin was just like, "Hey, let's see what you got. Like, we're down guards. We could use another defensive guy, maybe another ball handler. Let's try you for a shift, and let's see what what it looks like. He played like three minutes, and I think he had a plus minus of zero. He finished the game with 11 minutes, so he played pretty much the whole last stretch of the fourth. And he finished the game with a minus 17, Mm -hmm. right? And so that just tells you that just like during that part of the game, the Lakers got blasted. Now they got blasted during the other part of the game too. And so let's get back to, to that part. My general impressions of the game were that the Lakers had both a math problem against Philly and they had a we're not hitting shots problem. The we're not hitting shots problem is the most visible problem the Lakers have like offensively or it's the easiest thing to point to. Right. Like they are a poor shooting team. They should be a better shooting team. And they're not. The math problem problem is a problem that's also been there all season, but we have not Mm -hmm. talked about it Mm -hmm. as much. And so what I mean by a math problem is that the Lakers were trading twos for threes. So there was a stretch of the game, Pete where the Lakers were shooting like 56% from the field and they were down by like 17 points. And you look at the uh, the box score and it's just like, you know where those 17 points were? It was a difference of six made threes between Philly and the Lakers. The Lakers were like one for seven and Philly was like seven
2: for 15. And it's just like, that's, that, and that's the math and problem. Ballooned up to like 13 to one, I think at some point, right? Like it's yes. really severe and the Lakers are not only near the bottom of the league in terms of three point percentage, also in a, in attempts, right? And so I'm going to get to more of this too, and more of the reasons why, but D, we're 25th in offensive rating this season. Like we're the sixth worst offense in the league and for all of the... Injury issues that the Lakers have had in some respects, it's mostly been to their defensive guys. LeBron and AD, we've had wonderful health from them. They've both only missed one game. Uh Austin and D'Lo have played every game. Prince missed two games. Rui is the only like pretty good offensive player that's missed uh, significant time. Obviously, Gable, he only played a couple of games, but that's not really his calling card, right? So like the Lakers have had enough offensive talent on the floor. I think Woods played all every game to not be 25th in offensive rating, and this math problem yes. is a big part of it.
1: So my overall feeling about the Philly game was – Like, oh, the Lakers are playing a different style of basketball than Philly. I was pretty frustrated last night. I don't say this a lot, like on the pod, but I thought the game plan or the strategy or the tactics that the team used were not appropriate for the opponent.
2: Especially on on defense, we talking Mm -hmm. on defense Mm -hmm.
1: offensively, I think is a whole nother thing. Defensively, the Lakers were doing some things that I just didn't really agree with.
2: I I thought I just don't know another way to say it. I thought it was the worst game plan of the season.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, and it gets tricky here. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people online that are like, I'm smarter than the coach. They don't say it that way, but that's how they talk. Right. And I will never say I'm smarter than the coach, like ever. Like these guys are having, I'd love to be in a room to have context to all of the stuff Mm -hmm. we see on the court. And I'm not. And knowing what you do not know is an important part about being able to analyze what you do see, is that there's always going to be missing pieces of of information. That said, the things I saw in terms of an execution standpoint and what the Lakers were attempting to do, they were attempting to shrink the floor on Joel Embiid. The 76ers play a lot through Embiid at the top of the key, and he actually brings the ball up a fair amount, or he did at least in this game. And the Lakers were pinching driving lanes against Joel Embiid and basically shrinking the floor so that he was seeing help early in possessions. And it was making his passing reads pretty simple. He was then just passing to guys that were on the wing that were open. And those guys were like, I'm open. I'm shooting the ball now. And even if a contest was getting there, it was getting there a hair late. And those shooters were shooting with confidence, so it didn't even matter.
2: And even like a guy like Pat Bebb, who was like three for 22 from three, like, well, yeah, we were guarding him like he's Ben Simmons, right? Like, that. yes, they ducked under every screen against him. They treated
1: him like he, like, oh, you're the Pat Bev that was on the Lakers last year, the guy that couldn't hit a three. And to his credit, Pat Bev was just like, I didn't hit a three for y'all, but I'm about to hit him against y'all.
2: There were such easy shots that it's like, I don't know. Like most pros are going to make threes. threes.
1: Yes. Yes, they were. They were practice threes. We talk about this a fair amount that if you give an NBA player practice threes, they will start to get into a rhythm. And Mike mentioned this on the broadcast, like shooting is contagious. Yeah. Guys start to like the whole team starts to ride the same wave. And that's what started to happen with Philly. And one of the reasons why I was frustrated was a because of like the game plan stuff, which is like you've got the player who is best defensive player on your team and he is positionally the guy who's supposed to defend the best offensive player on the other team it's just like if like i don't know man i do not think the game plan should have been let's help anthony davis
2: this is kind of what we were talking about in the preview yesterday, right? Is that like the guy that he has to guard is right in front of him. And when AD is at his best, he is the guy that's helping everybody else. But when that role yes. reverses, the 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 uh, capacity of the Lakers defense goes way down. And this is obviously informed by all of the injuries, right? Like this is something – I have a lot more grace for kind of our, our defense. Like I don't think there were any really great answers last night. I think it could have been a lot better than it was. But yeah. I agree. I agree. I just felt like if
1: you're going to die with Joel Embiid getting 50 points attacking Anthony Davis all night yeah. or get, or putting him in foul trouble or whatever, it's just like you just got to live with that. Like there are just times where you got to guard your position and that's not something that you should be like – some I'm like, oh, we're nervous about that when it comes to Anthony Davis. There's like one dude in the league where you think that that about. And it's and it's Jokic where it's just like, OK, Jokic presents a different sort of problem. A.D. was getting frustrated with Embiid's antics. Like in the third quarter, he was, you you know, doing his like, oh, like drag the arm thing. And he jumped into him a couple of times and got a couple of fouls. In, and A.D. was barking at like, like at the refs a little bit. But. Like, this was also the Jokic problem for the Lakers last season in that it's just like, okay, well, you're sending all this help to Jokic. He's still scoring. And then... When you're helping, he's just passing to open dudes and those dudes are hitting shots. Like the Lakers did the same thing to to Embiid. They doubled him in the post, but they were doubling him when he was turning and facing. It's just like he sees
2: the whole floor. You're and 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 you're helping one pass away. These are like super easy assists, right? These aren't like skip pass reads over extended hands. This is like, oh, you're doubling me, but the guy right next to me is open. These were the easiest eleven assists he could have
1: gotten ever. It's just like and 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 beats not a like triple double machine. This isn't Jokic here who where he's just like, oh, he's got 60, 60 or 70 or 80 triple doubles for f- like for his career. He's got like a dozen of these. And and I would bet at least a handful of those are with blocks. Sure. Right. So. So anyways, I was a bit frustrated by the like defensive approach to the game. And then. I was frustrated just with, like, the severity and difference of shot-making ability between the teams. And let's go to break here, Pete, because there was a demoralizing effect to the shooting. And it reminded me of a game last season or two seasons ago that the Lakers had when they were the team that did it to someone else.
0: We're driven by the search for better.
1: So Pete, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, there was a game. I don't know who the Lakers played, but they just bombed away with threes and they just kept making them and making them and making them. And like the opposing coach was just like, we let, we let their shooting mess Pelicans with us. Game.
2: It was at Pelicans, yes.
1: yep. Yes. And the Lakers just couldn't miss. And it was just like, oh, look at these dudes. Like they're just yeah, going make like everything. Six, first,
2: six or seven first half threes or something. Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Amazing night, right? Well, it's not so amazing when it happens to you. Mm -hmm. And it's doubly not amazing when the shot quality that you're getting is equally as high, if not higher, than the other team. Your shots are not falling and their shots are. And then on top of that, it's like, you ever play slots like at the casino? Sometimes there are those machines where it's just like bet every pay line and there's like five pay lines. And then it's like bet every pay line. And then there's one. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just like the Lakers are a single pay line team when it comes to three pointers. And so it's just like, if you put all your money in and you're just like, okay, I've got one shot to hit this. Oh nope, no bars. Right. There's all my money. Philly was like a five pay line team. Right. And so they're pulling the slot and it's just like, okay, well, I didn't hit in the middle. I didn't hit on that one diagonal, but I hit on this other diagonal. And so I get paid a little bit. And that's what it felt like. Philly just had way more bites at the
2: apple when it came to to their threes and they were hitting. But they were also intentional about getting those shots, right? So, for example, Tyrese Maxey, right? Talk to me. We had Max Christie on Maxey, which we were excited about, right? Maxey's too fast for Christie and also the way – an important distinction between Maxie and Donovan Mitchell the game before is that Mitchell – and Mitchell can do this off-ball stuff, but he's more of an on-ball type of guy in that he's the guy in front of you and Max is really good at you know opening up his hips and moving his feet and all of that. But what they do with Maxi, and this is really smart and props to Maxi for developing a complementary skill to his physical talents, they make you get in a foot race with Tyrese Maxi off of the ball. So there were a ton of possessions where the ball's on the left side of the court and Maxi's on the right side of the court. And he's either going to get a stagger screen, which means he's going to start in the corner and get two screens, but and run around. And basically, either Max or Torian Prince, who was matched up with him at at points too, had to get in a foot race with Tyrese Maxi. You're not going to win that, right? It's like, okay, Maxi's going to sprint to the top of the key and he's going to get two screens along the way. And the, the thing that, and Maxey's one of my favorite Non Lakers in the league, and one of the things I really respect about what he's done in developing his his game is that he's become a movement shooter. And so, if you like, the thing that most teams would do against a speed guard like that, where it's like, yeah, your guy isn't going to be able to lock and trail and stay attached to a guy like Tyrese Maxey, so we're going to cheat the route, right? We're not going we're going to go under one or both of the screens on the stagger and we're betting that this guy's not going to be able to hit a catch and shoot three while drifting to his left or drifting to his right, which is true of a lot of speed guards. Cause a lot of those speed guys are so used to beating guys throughout their life with their speed that they don't become real great shooters. Maxi's become a wonderful shooter off that. So if you cheat that and you go around and you're trying to, and, and you don't get the proper attachment to him, he's going to take that shot. But my argument D is that that's like built into what they do and that I can't think of an action, for example, that we have in our offense that gets Dilo or Austin a three on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's nothing yes. that we – now, neither of them have a physical talent to leverage like Maxi Speed, of course. But Philly was like, oh, thank you very much in terms of the types of attempts that, we can, that they can get. And so when you're talking yes. about that five pay line type of thing, it's important yes, because yes, it's yes. like, oh, you're giving us this? Thank you. We will take that. And that is part of my yes. frustration with our offense where it's like, oh, you're giving us this. No, 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 no. Like the the thing with AD. Sorry, I just small rant. No, please, please. The, the thing with remember before the the, the season, Darwin was like, ah, oh, I want AD to take six threes a game, right? Yes. The decimal point is in the wrong spot. He's taking 0.6 threes per game. He is shooting he is shooting under 40% on shots beyond five feet. He's shooting under 30% on shots beyond 10 feet. So he's gone from a three-level scorer to a one-level scorer. And part of that, it seems counterintuitive, but part of that is because you don't like pop into the open spaces when they're there. And so to me, yes. it was a a a glaring distinction between a team that takes what you give them versus a team that is trying to force something over and over again. And Tyrese Maxey is way more of a downhill guy than anybody that we have on our team other than LeBron James, right? And so even a guy like Maxey, it's like, oh, open threes? Thank you. And and so to me, it was just such a glaring difference, man. It was a very frustrating game. Yeah, I was just,
1: Well, first of all, those are all great points. And I was just tired of. I was tired of all of it, basically. I was tired of the team's approach. I was tired of the difference in mentality in terms of like within possessions. I was tired of this idea of... Marcus Morris is a perfect example of this. If you go look at Marcus Morris's game, game log, there've been a few recent games where he's played like 15 minutes or 17 minutes. But if you look at his game, game log, he has not been a real rotation player for Philly Mm -hmm. there have been plenty of games where it's like two minutes one minute four minutes Mm -hmm. 15 minutes 12 minutes and that sort of tells me that he's been sort of that fringe guy like oh you're our fifth forward right right you're our you're our fourth center right right? you'll come in before bomber. you're gonna get a few minutes yeah like you'll come in before bomba Morris came into the game though and he was just like I'm Marcus Morris you know what I'm doing getting these shots up bro these shots Like I'm letting them fly. This is what I do. I don't care. Like this is my job, and like Torian Prince started to do this in the third quarter, where he was just like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to shoot these, and lo and behold, they started to go in. Mm -hmm. Right now, we could talk about the pressure of shooting when you're down 22 versus the pressure of shooting when you're when it's a four point game, right? And that's a different conversation. But the level of I'm letting it fly. And the mindset around like what's a good shot and what's not, and this goes back to some of the Anthony Davis stuff too. I've talked about this and and I'm not saying the coaches are delivering these messages, I'm not. I'm just talking about what I see on the court and what it looks like to, to an outside observer. And one of the things that it looks like to me is that there is an inherent value being placed on each of the possessions that feels higher than what it actually is. And what I mean by that is, is like we got to get a good shot on this possession. And I don't want this shot. This shot isn't a good shot for me right now, whether it's because I'm missing all of my threes like Torian Prince is. And so he is turning down threes and he is trying to drive to get something better. Or it's Anthony Davis saying I'm not comfortable shooting this mid-range shot, right? Or it's Christian Wood saying, like, oh, this closeout's a little bit too close. Let me drive this and, and try travel. to get something better. And there is this idea. And look, again, I'm not saying the coaches are are saying these are bad shots, but I do know when I listen to Coach Ham talk post-game, he one of the first things he's talking about offensively is like touching the paint. So I do know that he's enforcing this idea of, well, we want to be a paint attack team, but it's coming at the expense of guys turning down the shots that are available to them in on, on other parts, parts of the floor. And one of the things that we were talking about with, with AD or an idea that I have is like, look, man, at some point, if you don't take these shots, when it's time to take them, you are not going to make them. Like you're just not because you don't that's, have that's my the reps.
2: You don't have the, yeah, you don't
1: have mm-hmm. the reps anymore. Yep. Like you are no longer good at this because you stopped doing it. That, yep. shooting a basketball is not riding a bike. Unless you're Steph Curry. If you're Steph Curry,
2: you're going to be 60. Steph Curry puts in a ton of work on his jumper though, right? Like I, I'd argue yeah, that yes, Steph so is actually a great example of, of what you're talking about is even the great, you know, the best to ever do that has to like work at it and work at it and work at it.
1: 100%. My point is though, is that that all comes within the context of reps, right? right? And so it's, it's like, this isn't a skill that will never atrophy. Now you can get to a point that if you are quality if you have a quality enough base with this like the Larry Birds of the world or like if you're a natural at something you can stop doing something for a long time and then get right back to it and then you'll be fine but if you're not a natural, you better continue to tap into that in in order to keep that skill at the level it needs it needs to be and a d has not done that he just hasn't done it as as a jump shooter and and we see this we see this and it's like i feel like he needs to get back to it because if he doesn't the team's offense is going to suffer for it
2: let's take another break when we come back i want to talk more about that struggling offense
1: this episode is brought to you by hyperice the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology
2: So one portion of the game that I've been really zeroed in on since the preseason is the back half of the first quarter in particular. The third quarter kind of mirrors this, but really the first quarter is part of this. Last night was the eighth time in 18 games that the Lakers have been down by double digits after the first quarter. That should be a huge red flag, especially considering a uh, the that so much of it has come on the offensive end, and so I was curious as to what does the score breakdown look like when you just look at the last six minutes of the first quarter in terms of each game. And so we have played uh, we've played 18 games now, and we are a minus 68 in the last six minutes of first quarters, that's a total of 108 minutes, so that's bad that's really bad just in and of itself right a minus 68 in 108 minutes is basically the equivalent of like losing by 30 or so uh in a in a 48 minute game if you go dig into those numbers a little bit more and we've played four teams that i i don't quite consider to be that serious we've played portland twice uh memphis and then utah without walker kessler right and just kind of how utah came out in that game they didn't really show up for that so those games, that group, uh, the end of the first quarter did quite well. And so if you take those out, and I know this is, you know, being selective on some level, but I consider as us having played 14 serious games. If you take those four first quarters out, the Lakers were a minus 87 in 84 minutes. So they're being outscored by more than one point per game. Or, sorry, they're being outscored by more than one point per minute, D. That's like losing by 50-plus in those minutes. And so a big part of those lineups are they're built around AD's offense, right? And so that idea of AD being an offensive hub, we talk about Austin, right? We've talked a lot about Austin in this, and we should still continue to because he's been kind of charged with running that unit, although D'Lo's been getting minutes with those groups too, and they still haven't been scoring particularly well. Um, but. Yeah. That part of the game, D, like things, the wheels have fallen off so many times at that part of the game that I think that it needs to be seriously reevaluated what the team does at that point. 100%. And this is where it's just
1: like, they are built around AD, but they're not. They're built around this collective idea of like, what are we doing on offense? Mm. The Lakers don't throw the ball to AD and be like, we're clearing a side for you. If they were doing that, I would say this is built around Anthony Davis, but that's not what they do. They run haphazard pick and rolls. They try to post him. He is sometimes aggressive. He is sometimes not. I might be the biggest AD supporter there is. I'm constantly trying Mm -hmm. to make sure that's like he is contextualized properly as a player Mm -hmm. because I think it's super important when you're as good as he is that you don't always just get dragged down or looked at from this deficit model of like all the things that, that you're not, but there are some things that he's actually not the idea of like supporting your best players and what your best players need. I am becoming more and more acutely aware that these ideas of playing like slower or without pace, particularly in the half court is going to be a disservice to Anthony Davis, because this plays into the worst parts of his specific yeah. game. Right. And so one of the things that I really noticed when Austin first went to the bench was when he came into the game, it was like rocket. Fuel. The pace picked up. Mm-hmm. I, oh my goodness, this dude's playing fast, 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 fast. And that is
2: less so now but if I can interject real quick on that, one thing that can Please. shut that off is ball pressure, right? Like yes. that's something. It's hard to be aggressive when someone's attacking you and you don't have that downhill burst. And this is something that's really different about this year's roster versus the start of last season, right? Where you had Russ and Dennis and Lonnie, and even the end of the season with Dennis. Dennis was with thirty minute player for us yes in after the trade deadline right and so even those minutes with austin come you know in those second unit groups there was one guy where it's like oh you press up on dennis he's gonna zoom all the way to the rim where austin doesn't have that tool in his bag and so that can shut down even if he comes into the game with that type of intention you got ball pressure guards like patrick beverly De'Anthony melton guys like that they can turn that off well they're picking up austin full court too Mm -hmm. it's just like just like they were
1: picking up lebron full court like the scouting book is out like on the Lakers, we've talked a lot about what to do in terms of like, oh, attack the offensive glass and run at them and transition. The other thing to do is like pressure them full court, mm-hmm. turn it into a half court game. The Lakers are not a good half court offense. And then get them into late clock situations where then if you have to double team LeBron late or double team AD late and then they're kicking to shooters that don't feel confident, just letting it fly. Like it's. Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an NBA coach, but I've watched a lot of NBA basketball in my life. And I'm just like, hey, this seems to work. Austin being elevated, like on the scouting report, these are also things where people are going to be like, okay, well, what are the ways that we can try to disrupt this specific guy? Mm-hmm. And this is one of the ways, right? And it's the same with LeBron. LeBron, do you think LeBron wants to get turned no, absolutely 10 not. times? No. So he's giving up the ball in the backcourt too. To bring it back to Anthony Davis here. In supporting him, because he does need support, They're not. he's not Embiid. He's not going to come down and basically just be like, oh, I'm just going to run into you and throw the ball up as much as Paul Reed would think that's Anthony Davis's game. It's not, right? He's not going to hunt a bunch of fouls. He's not going to flop around. This isn't his style. One of the things that AD really benefited from last season was was not only... Like, yes, a skill guard. I think a skill guard really helps LeBron. I think like a hammer guard really helps Anthony yep. Davis, but a hammer guard who can pass, yep. right? And so he played really well with Russ mm-hmm. because Russ was just like, I, I'm just going to keep attacking and, and then I'm going to look for you on lobs, right? I'm going to look for you on little shovel passes and I'm going to occupy bigger defenders by getting downhill. And this is why... LeBron has always worked well with AD too, is because LeBron's downhill force has always been beneficial to, to AD. There was a tip play that AD got this this last game, and it was more of a transition play. But LeBron just attacked, attacked the basket. He took the yep. bigs with him. And AD and was the same thing. He got a tip in. Yep. yep. Yeah. And these are plays where it's just like, okay, like this is how you've got to account for all of what AD can do offensively, because he's not. He's he's not just a throw it to him guy. Right. That said, I do think they need to just throw it to him more a little bit. And like the idea of like, no, bro, like we need you. We need you to do more of this. We need you to isolate a little bit more and we need you to be good at it. Like force his hand a little bit because the the atrophy of not doing something over and over again. Like that's what atrophy means, right? It's yep. like, you're much, you're, like your muscles atrophy because you don't use them. And so he's not using that jump shot muscle as much anymore. And Billy and Stu are talking about it on TV. And Stu is so short of just like, it doesn't bother me. And like, I get
2: it to a certain <laughs> extent. But Billy Mack is just like, like he's not shooting them anymore. And during our championship season, in the regular season, he shot threes six times more often then he's shooting them now. Like I, the, the oh, making threes doesn't matter. It's all the same. Like it's become so grating on me or taking them. We are tied for the fewest three-point attempts in the NBA on in a five-out offense, which is very strange. And like we are 25th in offensive rating. Like if it doesn't matter, why are we so bad on offense? And if like diving into a packed paint over and over again works so well, why are we so bad on offense, right? Part of it is the shot making, right? But the idea that AD going from a three-level scorer in the championship season to going to a one-level scorer now, and that that's just, ah, it's it's fine. You know, just one or two more jump shots is that's all the difference that it is. It's not. What it means is it makes, it means the decisions that the, it means the decisions that the defense is making is always going to be like, oh, AD's involved. I'm going to default to the paint I'm not worried at all about you popping out, whether it's the three-point line or like, I'm fine with them being 17, 18 footers, right? That was a big part of what he did. He's shooting like He's shooting below 20% on those like 16 plus footers. It's like 14% or something like that on those type of shots. And so that atrophy D, that's a major shift from the guy when you talk about like LeBron and AD being the guys to build around. And so I don't know, man. To me, it needs to be addressed. 100% it needs to be addressed. And I want to go back to
1: LeBron's comments, please. So LeBron was just like, he got asked multiple times because folks are going to dig. LeBron was as frustrated. When was the last time you, no. so I was going to ask you like, when was the last time you seen
2: LeBron this frustrated? That, after that a to loss? me is a big part of like the sound, the alarm bells, like, and the, like the stuff with the offense from like, okay, we're doing some empty side pick and roll more double drag screens. Although those are not like five out. Like you're not, they're not like, you know what I'm saying? It, and so, but it's like, okay, we're making some progress. Okay. We got Hayes as a corner cutter. Now it's, I understand it's an 82 game game season. You're building on it, building on it, building on it. Seeing LeBron like that, bro. And seeing him be like, oh no, a lot needs to change. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like that, that kind of confirms a lot of the the suspicion. He's as frustrated as I've seen him.
1: I've never seen, never. I can't recall the last time I saw him that upset post game. LeBron's usually pretty measured. He's normally pretty like, oh, like he's able to contextualize things. He was just
2: mad. Right. And this isn't game. like after a playoff loss type of thing, right? Like this is just a regular old regular season game. Right. A lot of one word answers, mm-hmm. two word answers, sort of
1: like next question sort of vibe. Like, right. Like um, Lakers MR even stepped in at one point and was like um, last question, guys, because it's just like it's obvious. Yep. Yeah. You can't tell already. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. This is over. It's so this idea of LeBron being frustrated. I don't know if he's just frustrated with the offense. There's just a lot there. The injury stuff has to be weighing on everyone still. It's just like I had mentioned to you guys last night. I sent this long text and I was just like, oh, sorry. This text Uh, is long.
2: That's what the thread's for.
1: Yep. Being down four rotation players matters. Like I don't want to lose the force through the trees to a certain extent, right? So, being down four rotation players matters, and I think that at that point you're probably too short to consistently win. Like it was a great win against the Cavs Th- that, being why that it was shorthanded a great win is
2: because we were shorthanded, right? Yeah. Yes, but you literally need every player to play well. Right. Yeah. When you the got the only guy there's one guy, it's ah, he's not playing well tonight. It's like, who do we turn to? Jalen Shafino? Like, no. Well, this is the thing though, is like they played eight guys against the Cavs.
1: Torian Prince was the only one who didn't score in double figures. So the only guy that didn't score in double figures was Torian Prince. I think he had seven or nine points, but he also played well defensively. He He was like a plus 12 or something. He grabbed a bunch of long rebounds. But it's not going to be that way every night. If you were down just three rotation guys, I think that this team could probably still win in the 40 to 42 win range. Mm -hmm. Right. If it was just like, okay, like we're down these guys the entire season or and even if it's not the same three, like like three guys, assuming good health from LeBron and and, and AD or with good health from LeBron and AD, I think that they could still win around that. Just over 500. Like like that. Yeah, with that
2: many guys out. Yes.
1: If you have two guys out, I think that they would be in a good position to be even bad like like better than that and fully healthy, I think that they would probably need to make a consolidation trade, but they'd be like in the place that you want them to be. That said, being down that many guys doesn't and shouldn't obscure the point that you were making earlier about the offense. Right. And so when it when lebron is this frustrated i think it's a combination of like damn man like we're without these dudes again we're down so many guys we got blasted i don't want to act like i'm speaking for for lebron and this is me projecting here speaking more as me as if i were in lebron james shoes we got blasted we're down all of these guys i'm tired of being down so many guys didn't want to lose by four all of that sucks and then it's just like what were we doing tonight helping off the shooters Mm -hmm. and letting them just get hot Mm -hmm. and how come our shooters and how come we're not scoring? Right. And it's just like all of that stuff seemed to come to a head in a single game. Mm -hmm. And it feels a bit like a fork in the road moment for Mm -hmm. this Lakers team. When LeBron James is saying a lot needs change. It's just like, he's not saying that haphazardly. He's not saying That's that just out like to oh, he's well. very
2: measured on stuff like that normally. And he knows that the the weight of his words of him saying something like that. And so the fact that he chose to, I, I think speaks volumes. Yeah. And so look, if he's saying that a lot needs needs to change, there better be
1: an examination. I have some ideas about some things I'd like to see, and maybe we'll get to some of these things like oh ov- like over the next few like like few days. But really frustrating loss. Man and like a really like frustrating time for a team that's ten and eight and
2: dealt with a lot mm-hmm. to even be at ten and eight and so I don't want to bury them right no, not at all the the it's a long season last year see, last year was a great example of how much can change over the course of, of a season and so one of the the blessings of a eighty two game season is. It gives you a lot of chances to get on your feet, to figure yourself out, to get things right. But I think that the evidence shows and LeBron's reaction has shown that we've been on the wrong track and we do need that examination and and to make some changes. So we'll wrap it up there. Lakers get blown out in Philly. They've got a game tomorrow against Detroit. We may record tomorrow, but it may be after the Detroit game. We'll see. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
1: Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic, Worthy dies on his belly, Magic scores. And Magic, got it. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, That next to
0: the winner, it. it's on the way, down! Tony Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that There's the it's move. Scored. Two, it's one, piss it! Brian! Unbelievably for the victory. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Bryant, Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. that insult to
2: injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?
0: 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic.